This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi and welcome to Homestar Radio. I'm your host Chris Hamling and I have the pleasure of taking us all through a second consecutive win for Crystal Palace. The Eagles visited the Hawthorns yesterday to face tiny Welsh tosspot Tony Pulis' West Bromwich Albion. Despite the host being in superb form, Palace produced a dominant display to dispatch the Baggies 2-0, with magnificent goals from Wilfred Zaha and Andros Townsend. Panel and I will take you through our views, but as ever, we'd love to hear yours too. Check out all the ways to get in touch at hlradio.net forward slash contact, including the chat room at hlradio.net forward slash chat. And don't forget, you can now listen live on our page on Facebook and live comment. Just search Homestar Radio on Facebook to find our page and check our latest posts. We'll get on with the show after this short message. Every picture tells a story. Keep up to date with ours on Instagram at Homestale Radio. Okay, with me I have Mr. Patrick O'Connor. Good afternoon. Yeah, you and your time difference. We also have Nick Philpot. Good evening, boys. All right, all right. Yeah, and happy. for a second consecutive week, like some kind of reward or something, it's Ed Kellaway. Good evening. I'm bringing the luck, aren't I? Oh, exactly. You will be on this show until we stop with it. And then never again. I'll make plans in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so, anyway, a uh, fantastic win for Palace yesterday. Cannot wait to talk about it with you, gentlemen. So, let's start on with a little bit of a, you know, a re- review of how the game itself actually went. Because it, it, was a, it was a dominant performance, really, by the end of it. I think I'd, I'd sum up the... It, it, you always call it, you know, the cliche of a game of two halves. But, you know, Palace shaded the first half. Obviously, it was nil-nil at half-time. It was a very assured start. But there was a slight wobble in there at uh, one stage. We're going into half-time very much in the ascendancy. And I want to pick out a few of the, the key instances in that first half for us to for talk about, gents. Obviously, went in with an unchanged side. and Don't change your winning team. And kept Captain Hunchen in as, as uh, obviously, skipper in the side, which we'll talk about in a short while. Um, but I think... The, the first incident I wanted to pick up on is, and I don't know if this is 
obviously this is the strength of West Brom. You know, they're, 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 they've got to 40 points already. They've been playing brilliantly this season. They're in eighth position. They've scored a huge number of goals uh, um, from corners. And they had a fair few corners uh, throughout the course of the game. It's probably where they were most dangerous, wouldn't you say, Nick? And early on, this uh, this routine, they drilled into the edge of the box and, uh, and had a shot. We were completely flat-footed by it. I think the um, I think the stat before the game was it's something like they had the best set piece conversion rate in the division, and we had the worst defensive against set pieces in the division. So it all it all led to the uh, to the route that we were going to be losing two or three nil by half time from set pieces. Well, something's changed in our defence, isn't it? And I know we're going to be alluding to it a bit later on, but that, they were the stats beforehand. Uh, they were brilliant at set pieces. Well, I didn't think they were a particular threat at all. Well, there was um, obviously that, that the, the first one that I'm thinking about that I described, and they tried it again in the second half. And there was uh, there was also one corner that kind of everyone missed as well. But that was really West Brom's only threat, wasn't it, Patrick? Yeah, I tweeted that, uh, that actually corner out because um, it comes over from a... Uh... The right-hand side, Milivojevic goes up, misses it, and it bounces into the box and, and bounces out. So I was talking to Terence Ford of a, a local parish. He's over here in New York at, at the match. And I said, how was our keeper not getting that ball? You know, ball should not drop in a box. So that was only scary we had the whole game, which is great. And from your, from your view, you had it, I suppose you would have been worried about set pieces before the game. You know, I've picked them out as, as West Brom's only threat. But, you know, we dealt with them reasonably well. But... But you'd have perhaps expected them to do better there. Yeah, I mean the other one that was, I think it was uh, Livermore. He sort of was hanging around at the edge of the box, looking a bit disinterested, and makes a sort of late run in the corner. Just got pulled back to him at the edge of the box, but he never really got hold of his shot. But um, if he got hold of it, we could have been in trouble because sort of no one really picked him up. I was finding it a bit frustrating on for, uh, corners. We quite often send everyone back, whereas. Zaha's not known for his heading ability, but he's quick. So I'll just leave Zaha up on the in the centre circle or on the halfway line, and they're going to have to leave two of them back with him. If, it's, if one we... of, it's, one of, it's one of those age-old debates, isn't it? When you know, when when people do it, it's kind of like everyone says it's so ridiculous because you're just handing the initiative straight back to the the team who's taken the corner because they're obviously going to get it once you clear it. But so many teams do it. There must must be a reason, I guess. Yeah, I've just never been a fan of it. You're just inviting another defender into our box. Whereas if Zaha just goes up on the halfway line, they need to go two with him. And if they want to go one-on-one with him there, then let them do it. And if, God forbid, our goalie catches it, we can um, (laughs) break on him quickly. And Zaha, one-on-one, you fancy him against most people in the league. Yeah. But But talking of corners, that was the best chance of the first half. Uh, went, went Palace's way. Uh, our first corner, uh, Johan Kabay, um, absolutely superb ball in, right to the head of Christian Benteke. Heads down, does all, does everything right that you kind of think that a striker should. Um, but obviously, you got the, the player back there on the line uh, and, and cleared off there. Uh, any criticism, do, do, do you feel at all, Patrick, of Benteke not putting that away? Because he's not scored in a while. No, not at all. Um, he heads the ball down. He's supposed to do. Uh, it would again. He would have scored had uh, Brunt not been there. I thought it was actually a very well taken corner by Kabai, a good routine and a good header. Uh, maybe he could have gone a little bit higher. But again, I, I think from that kind of corner, you want to head the ball down to the ground, which is what he did. So I think with everything was was perfect except for it didn't score. Yeah, and uh, I mean, yeah, I, I, it 
Benteke is, is, has been something we've talked about a lot, and I, I suppose this is a good opportunity as any to sort of just discuss his performance yesterday. Um, Nick, how did you feel overall uh, Benteke did? Because, oh well, just to sort of clue you in on what I thought, again, I thought he could have perhaps been accused of, uh, again, where people start accusing him of being lazy and all that sort of stuff. But yesterday I saw a player dropping deep to get involved in the game a lot. You know, he's obviously frustrated not to score, but I thought his all-round game yesterday was excellent. Yes, I mean, so did I. His pressing game particularly, um, he isn't the most active of players, but yesterday he was more involved for sure. Um, going back to the going back to his goal attempt, um, if you look at it carefully, look at his position as he's jumping, he was slightly arched. So if anything, it was going to be a little bit harder for him to get massive power on that sh- on that header. Um, and yeah, as you say, the, the defender was on the line. Um, I think it was a good attempt. The other th- thing worth a note with Benteke, seven of his nine goals this season have come from away from home. Um, I thought he, he seems to t- take a little bit of the pressure off when he's playing away from home. Uh, he was running, he was chasing, he was harrying, he was pressing and closing down. Um, and I think that was him leading from the front. His, his overall game effort, yes, it was much higher than it has been, certainly in, certainly in the last couple of home games. And for you, Ed, you know, I know you were you know, lacking sleep at the game, so <laughs> what you saw of Benteke, I'm not sure he might have hallucinated some stuff, but what about yourself and maybe the people around you who weren't quite so tired? <laughs> yeah, no, I was impressed by him again yesterday, like, just echo what Nick said, he did work hard. He was pressing the ball for us when they had it, were passing it around the back. Um, he held the ball up well, I thought. There was one, I think it was a Hennessy goal kick that he literally just plucked out of the air, just on his foot and just killed it dead next to him, um, which was unbelievable. But he, he occupied both, a lot of the time, he occupied, bo- occupied both of their centre-halves because um, he was being a bit of a handful, which sort of freed up or ensured that it was generally one-on-one when Wilf and... Townsend got the balls out wide. They were just dealing with the one fullback in front of them rather than the centre half coming over to to support them. Which, when we talk about the goal later, is um, I think a part of the reason why Wilf was in the space that he got for the first goal. So. It was last little bit of bed tackle. It was right going into into half time. He picked up a, a yellow card, and I thought that's an interesting one because he got fouled probably twice before he reacted and grabbed the play around the neck. But it was Pulis jumping around on the sidelines, waving an imaginary yellow card that seemed to get him booked. Uh, views on that, Patrick? On Tony Pulis or the yellow card or both? Because I hate both. Pulis. So. <laughs> so, I hate Pulis, so I'll move on from that. But um, it was, I thought it was a bit unfair. I, like I said, I like the way he puts himself about um, uh, in general. I, I noticed in the stats he won, he won nine aerial duels yesterday, um, Benteke. So... Uh, I think it worked very hard, and, and uh, yesterday I thought he did really well. And I also like the fact that there was a, there was one play later one where uh, Wilf wins the header, and he runs onto the wood, uh, header from Wilf, which is usually the other way around. You know, he'll win the headers for the other uh, players, either Townsend or, or Wilf. So I like the fact that we're mixing up with those area balls, and he's winning balls for other players and vice versa. So, again, I like the way he plays. I think he has a lot to where we play, and I think that he'll continue to do well as long as he plays to his strengths. He looked a bit confused when he saw Wilf head that ball on. <laughs> yeah, I bet he did, yeah. He didn't quite know what to do with himself. Um, <laughs> no, uh, similar question to you, Nick. Do you think, um, I mean, Benteke clearly is, you know, I think Allardyce commented in after the game, he said, you know, Benteke's delighted that Palace are winning, but he, he's a goal scorer, he wants goals, and he's he's frustrated by the fact he hasn't scored. Has he got to watch that frustration, or do we want to keep that level of aggression and that, that you know, playing on the edge like he kind of kind of is at the moment? 
Uh, yeah, he's got to control it a little bit. He was, I mean, I, my understanding was he wasn't booked for the uh, round the neck bit. These, from what I saw, again, I'm standing at the back of the stands. He was actually booked for descent. Uh, he, he, was, he was gobbing off at the referee because of the, those other two incidents you just alluded to. But he's got to control it. But what it also shows to me is a little bit of heart, a little bit of passion, a bit of desire. He wants to be involved. And I know we're going to come on to the goals in a minute, but the um, the, the, the other exciting, if I was him, the other exciting part for him would be the, the fact that we're getting crosses in from both flanks now. Okay, And it's only a matter of time before he connects with one of them. Absolutely, you know. I think it's not like he's scored his last goal of the season already. He's, um, you know, he's getting in the right areas and, and contributing. It's all very, very positive stuff. So I'm just hoping his frustration doesn't boil over. The last thing we need is him banned for the game because we haven't really got much else. You know, Remy's back injured, so it's really be down, be down to Big Fraser to come on and uh, play his part. <laughs> What's the problem um, with that? No, you know what he's look. He's, made, he's he's contributed this season, hasn't he? Campbell came in, scored yeah, yeah. scored the goal yeah. against was it Hull? Uh, yeah, he scored. Yeah, and, the Hull, yeah. and look, you know he, he he's happy to play his role in the squad. Campbell and, and needs credit for that. You never see him moaning, do you? He's never in the press moaning about his not playing any games. He's always got a smile on his face when he's in training or on the pitch. So got no problem with Campbell. He knows his knows his limitations. He knows what, what his role in the squad is. You know, he doesn't sulk like certain other players who are playing elsewhere now. Who mm, I possibly I mean? Who that now. could be? Who could I mean? Who could I mean? Last little bit to pick out from the um, from the first half. Ed, how the hell has Rondon not booked for a dive there? Uh, Ghost runs down the sort of wing, cuts inside. Goodbye has a little nibble, a tiny little get puts an arm out, but. There's nowhere near touching him at the point where Rondon decides he's going to theatrically dive to the floor. Ref sees it absolutely clear, clearly. Doesn't even consider giving a penalty, but, you know, no yellow card after MacArthur got booked the other week for genuinely being failed. He's got to go in the book, hasn't he? Oh, he's got to. It's embarrassing. It's Kabaya, there's the tiniest little bit of contact, but then a good two seconds passes and then a sniper in the stands has just taken him out. <laughs> like... <laughs> It just, there's no one even like touching him or near him. So, and the referee's not giving the penalty. So, if it's not a penalty, then he, he's just dived, isn't he? So, it's a yeah. yellow card. Because just after he dives and the ball rolls away, Joel Ward gets at his feet and panics and turns into a West Brom player and nearly. So, if he hadn't, have, if the ref had just let that run and we'd have then conceded from Joel Ward fluffing it up then I'd have been absolutely fuming because it obviously should have been brought back for... But yeah, Rondon was... We kept him very quiet yesterday and that was just embarrassing. Embarrassing's the word. And the thing is, that's where we start talking about this lack of consistency from referees. And I know there was, a, there was a lot of observations about Bobby Madley's very next game. He gave a... Uh, uh, it, was, it was the uh, Brighton-Newcastle game, wasn't it? I think yeah. Bobby Madley, where he gave a penalty for Brighton after Glenn Murray just fell over someone who was on the floor. And, you know, you kind of thought he's turned down two penalties, maybe three penalties, is clearer than that for Palace, and then goes and does that. So it's that consistency that drives people mad. And again, you've, you've had in the press recently, in, in all the sort of football review, review shows, everyone talking about um, the fact that next year in the FA Cup, they're going to go with TV replays as evidence. Um, thoughts on that, gents? While I'm while I'm talking about it, I'll start with you, Patrick. Well, Chris, did you see the Burnley match where they gave a handball penalty on a Burnley player handed handed in, his, in the opposing box? 
Yeah, I did, I did see that. Yeah. So I mean, that's how bad it's getting. You can handball the ball in your in your attacking and get a penalty called for yourself. So it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like I, to- I told you, um, they they have um done the video replay at a low level over here, and I went to a match because the kid that I used to coach uh, was playing, and I actually. They did a turnaround very quickly. It was a, a play that was supposed to be a free kick. Ended up it was in the box. They changed it to a penalty kick, etc. So I like the, uh, video replay. I've seen it in action live, and I think it works. And I think if they're going to do it next year, they should, because the level of refereeing in this country is absolutely pathetic. So it has to get improved somehow. So why not do video replays? One of the phrases used by, by a pundit was that the referee is the least informed of the millions of people watching <laughs> the game. Exactly. <laughs> it should be the most informed. Exactly. Yeah. I actually think the... Um, the booking for Rondon. Uh, don't forget who was the fourth official yesterday. We all know. It's, it's <laughs> all about know. you. Yeah, it's all about you. And I bet I bet he radioed to that idiot that was actually out in the middle of the pitch. And said no, 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 no. He didn't touch him. Didn't touch him. It wasn't a dive. Uh, and I bet I bet that idiot on the sideline. I'm not even going to say his name. I'm sorry. Uh, I bet he had something to do with it anyway. No way to talk about Sam Allardyce. <laughs> no, no, no. There's another bloke on the sideline oh, no, as well. Or Tony Pulis. Oh, there's a lot of videos on that sideline. Yeah, there really was. (laughs) I didn't. I'm going to say I I take that back about mentioning Alvarez. There, he's uh, you know he's slowly winning me over. Uh Not massively, but we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that at the end of the season. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Where I get to uh, use my revisionist opinion then. Uh, so look, that's that's pretty much all the action we we'll want to talk about from the first half. So when in we as I said before, we were very much in the ascendancy in that in that first half. We really didn't want the the whistle to go for half time. I don't think the players did either. But you could see a much more confident side, you could see a much more organised side. You know, Sacco, who we'll talk about in more detail in a little while, was just imperious back there, you know, two really key interventions in that in the first half. Um, but was just he's so calm, so assured, and those are the words that the players that are playing with him uh, are, are saying as well. You look at performances of, of Tompkins alongside him; he, he suddenly looks worth the money we paid for him. You know, after struggling up until now, so um, a lot of players have been been boosted by the the signings that we've made, uh, which has been very very impressive. But getting into that uh, that second half, um, it was really nice to see the fact that that Palace. Sort of obviously, as I said, going in, into the, in the halftime in the ascendancy, came out and and went up a gear. There was none of this, you know. Before we've seen us really have very very different halves. You know, we have a good first first half, we tend to have a bad second half, and vice versa. You know, this time we we didn't, you know, get sort of hung up on the fact that we didn't go what we weren't going in one nil up when we probably deserved it. We went straight on the front foot from the very first moment, and West Brom were rattled very very early on, and it, it wasn't wasn't long until we scored the goal. So my description is this. Uh, it was a spell of Palace keep ball. Uh, Benteke then dropped deep to get involved. Uh, McCauley followed him. Um, Benteke then shifted the ball to Luca, who pushes the ball across to Kabai. Kabai looks up and fires a pass to Zaha, who has gone into that space uh, that's been vacated by Dawson, who's having to cover the space that McCauley's left because Benteke's dropped deep. So it's this whole thing just came together brilliantly. Uh, the first touch from Zaha is, is just perfection. And the left foot finish is, is just sublime. Um, that was a tactic we've been trying all game. Uh, in the first half, there were so many overhit passes by so many different players. And it was that. That's what we were trying to do. They've clearly been working on it. We saw that both Townsend and Zaha were trying to get in on the edge of the penalty area in those kind of positions. But even, even by the fact that the ball was perfect to Zaha, to actually finish it like that takes a real talent. And it was, it was a glorious, glorious goal, wasn't it, Ed? 
Ed? Yes, sorry, yeah. <laughs> Still yeah, in no, shock. Was... <laughs> Falling asleep, no. Um, brilliant, yeah, it's brilliant goal. Um, love similar notes to what I've written down, however you just described it. Um, knocking it around patiently sort of across the midfield and the back four. Um, and as you alluded to, there was, I think it was a lot of overhit for those sort of diagonal crossfield passes. Luca was, so I think, struggling with his range in the first half. There was quite a few that went over Townsend's head or Zaha's head and out for throw-ins either side. But um, for the goal, yeah, it just, it was, if you look at it, I think it's punch and just drifts off. Um, whoever's picking him up in centre midfield, punch and just drifts off him. Uh, and Benteke's just in between their two centre-backs. Punch and just drifts off the guy in midfield and finds himself sort of bang in the middle of their back four with no one either side of him. And he's calling for the ball from Kabai. Uh, and I think is it Dawson's their right back, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, clocks that and he tucks in to go and pick Townsend up. And Zaha's got the right side for us, the right side of Brunt. And Dawson's gone, had to go inside to cover um, Punchin's run which has left that big gap that Zaha's run into. And yeah, the pass is just pinpoint um, his first touch. That's the one place he's got to bring it down in front of him to get past Brunt. And that first touch just means I think Brunt throws his hands up in the air because he knows <laughs> that if he tries to stick a leg out of the ball, he's just going to go across Wilf's legs and bring him down. So like, Wilf's touch just completely takes Brunt out of the game. And then from that angle with the guy flying across him, and where Foster's positioned, that's pretty much the only place he can, that's where he's got to put it to score, and it's a superb finish. I, I, that moment you picked out there of the, the exasperation on on Brent's face, I've not really seen that before, a player sort of effectively just go, oh, yeah. <laughs> like even before the ball's been put in the net, just, you just it's just that touch was, if he, you know, if he could have, if he could have caught the ball, and then dropped it exactly where he wanted it. It would have been, wouldn't have been any better than that chest down. Absolutely perfect, uh, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I actually put in my notes the exquisite ball from Kabai to Zaha. And they, if you remember what they said on match of the day, they actually use that. If you could have actually put his hand out and actually placed the ball where he wanted it, superb. Um, other th- other point of note on that, of course, Zaha uh, five goals and six assists this year, more than any other season in the Premier League. So uh, he's had a cracking season. Bear in mind, he's been playing in a team that is struggling. I nearly said something worse than like has been struggling. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, he's he's by far the player of the season, isn't he? And he is, yeah. Un- yeah. Until now, of course, because we haven't spoken about Luca and Sacco yet. Yeah, yeah. It's only really time that's going to hold them back from uh, competing yeah. as its player of the season. Although I think Sacco might push him. <laughs> but um, Zaha has been superb. But Patrick, you, your, your views on that first goal? Yeah, so much to like about the goal. Uh, the first thing, I, I, I watched uh, Wolf's interview post-match with Chris Grierson. And um, he mentioned that they're working on that kind of stuff in, in, in training, which is great to see it come in fruition in the match. And uh, Ed uh, pointed out, I love the movement by by punching the first drop for the ball, then get, get into the space that um, uh, Benteke had vacated. I love the, the ball to from Milivojevic to Kabai. The ball from Kabai to Zaha, where's that been? 
I mean, yeah. I'm a big critic of Bayern. I know he can do that, and I've, I wish he could have done that more often in the last, you know, year and a half he's been on our team because that pass is just is sublime. You know, Wilf's touch, the left foot finish, there's so much to like about the goal. So it, it was really a well, well put together team goal. It's so much to like about it. And again, uh, it's good to, it really is good to see um, Kabai play so well yesterday. I've been a big critic of his, and that was a really great pass. And the finish by Wilf, as uh, Nick said, play of the year by far this year. You know, five goals, six assists. I think he's, uh, the stat is, He's produced, what, 33% of our goals have come through Wolf this year, which is, I think, 11 out of the uh, 34 goals he scored this year. So, yeah, just a great goal. And at, a, at a key time, you know, we always talked about how, you know, you give up goals in the first five, ten minutes of the half or, the, you know, beginning, end of a half. And to score a goal like that that, that time was just really critical. Yeah, it's interesting. You pick out the, pick out the improvement in Kabai. And, and this, you know, this is where I think at times the fact, you know, we're obviously we're, we're fans doing this. You know, we're... We're, you know, some of us have, you know, certain knowledge about football and what have you. But ultimately, when you're looking at the experts and whatever we want to think about Sam Allardyce, Sam Allardyce is an, an expert, you know. Right. And he has come into the and, and he's done something that we would none of us would have done, right? And that's take James McCarthy out of the team. I don't think <laughs> yeah. anyone, none of us would have done that, right? No, nope, no chance. Correct. So yeah, I agree. He, he's looked at it and he's gone, well, you know what? Kabai on his game is, is world class. So I've, he's got to do something to, to make Kabai that player again. And what he's, what he's seen that none of us really saw is that if he takes James McCarver, who's a fantastic player, um, and takes him out and uses him in a different way in the squad, which is, you know, to once Kabai's ran out of gas on an hour, right. um, you know, and he uses him like that, it's sudden, all of a sudden having Milivojevic in the position that he's in screening frees Kabai up to, to kind of roam a little bit. And Kabai does that. You know, sometimes he is dropping deep and playing a long pass. Other times he's getting forward. Sometimes he's getting into the sort of the wing areas to try and look to put a ball in the box. He's all of a sudden got a little bit of freedom. And, and the all-important thing, which goes for all the players, is confidence. All of a sudden it looks like a team again. And this, you know, there's the stuff that Ed and, and yourself and Nick have picked out about that goal. That's a team working with you know this this level of cohesion. Do you see what I mean? As in people seeing that one player has vacated the gap, so knowing that there is a gap. That's yep. people. Know, that's people knowing their roles. That's people know. There was a, there was another moment. It was really early on in the first half, and I've only just clicked in my head that, that it happened. Um, but Wilf and Townsend found themselves on the same wing uh, due to closing down West Brom um, high up the pitch. And what happened was Townsend looked and thought, oh, hang on a second, this, this can't happen. And he went central. But, but as soon as he did that, Benteke looked and thought, oh, I better go left. Yep. So for a really short while, you had Benteke playing left, Townsend central, and Wilf on the right. We kept the shape. And that's that attacking three. You, they've had it drilled into what their roles are and how they should look. And all of a sudden, that's, that wasn't happening before. Players weren't filling in gaps for other people. And that, you've got to say, that, that whatever that we did in that two-week period that we had without a game, it has transformed how the team have played. Uh, Wilf, <clears throat> Wilf, Wilf called it getting back to basics, and I guess that's what it is. Mate, can I jump in there? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, listening to this, we have a news flash. Okay. And that was Chris Hambling praising the manager, Sam Anadice. Too right. 
Do you know what? BT Sports stitched me up this week, right? <laughs> after, uh, they made they made me record, they recorded a video for him after uh, the Sunderland game, right? Where I said no one, no one has any confidence in Allardyce right now. So after we lost four 0 to Sunderland, bear in mind it was four 0 at half time. Would anyone have said anything different? But they decided to stitch me up and play it this week, and then play oh, the contrast, no. and play the, play the <laughs> contrast between that and my current video. Look, I'm, I'm like I'm like. I'm just a fan, right? I'm just a football football fan. And like any other fan, I am fickle, right? <laughs> where we lose and where we struggle and where we do things that I don't understand, I will slag people off because that's a, because I'm a football fan. I try and I try to find the logic in it, especially when we do this show. I try and look at maybe the things I don't understand and try and try and sort of at least find a reason why decisions have been made that, that I don't agree with. But bottom line is, you know, we, we went from a team that was scoring goals but losing games to a team that was not scoring goals and losing games. So I didn't really see what, what the benefit was. But now I do. Now I see a real change. And, you know, and I've got to be able to praise the manager for that, surely. You know, I have to, you know, I'd, I'd be an idiot if I didn't. Fair play to you. No, and you're absolutely right. Um, a lot of what we saw yesterday, and to a lesser degree what we saw at the Middlesbrough game, was because he's had the time. He's had the time to spend with the players and get their... You just used the word just a minute ago, Chris, their confidence levels up. And I think it's having an effect right throughout the team. Uh, I know we're going to come on to a couple of other issues later on, but it, I mean, it's all to do with lifting the confidence. And I think the one position that's actually done that is the uh, Luca position. He, you're, he's screening he's, what he's done. And, uh, and it's all, and I think it's all down to Sam Allardyce. And I hate to say that I was probably in the same camp as you not so long ago. Okay, well, I'm also now, like you, moving camps slightly because tactically yesterday, he, with the selection and everything else, he got it absolutely bang on. So you, there's, there's not much more you can do than beat a Tony Pulis side to make me happy, honestly. <laughs> you know, if you want to win me rounds, you know, shoving, shoving it all back in Pulis's face, seeing how angry he was on the touchline, you know, that that's a surefire way to win me over nice and quickly. Ed, you haven't said much for a while. Did you want to contribute to this? Uh, yeah, I think... The local position is, as Nick was saying, has been key. Um, it just you know, frees the others in midfield up a little bit more to get onto the ball. But yeah, Alan has got it spot on yesterday. Um, Selection-wise, obviously, with the very good performance the previous week, there wasn't going to be a great deal of changes. Um, but yeah, tactically, to sort of beat Pulis sort of almost at his own game, I think there was a stat to say that West Brom had not had the majority of the possession in any of their... Premier League games this season. Uh, so yesterday was the first time they edged possession uh, and managed to, we managed to beat them doing it. So it's even more satisfying because it's uh, normally what Pulis specialises in and we've done it exactly back to him. So. Yeah, we Pulis, Pulis, which yeah. is great. A um, couple of other bits to uh, point out from before we get to uh, Andros Townsend goal. Um, it was the hour mark before West... Uh, West Ham because oh, I've written WH for Wayne Hennessy, Hennessy I knew you said West Ham bad times on the uh, hour marker Chadley uh, shot incredibly weakly and that was Wayne Hennessy's first save so defence had protected him very very well um, and you know really didn't have a save to make we'll talk about him flapping a little bit across later on um, I think me and Nick have got some stuff to talk about there haven't we Nick <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, we went straight up the other end um, and that was where Wilf ran through pretty much their entire defence great run um, loads of skill very very direct so didn't know what to do uh, as he's darted into the box there a couple of things happen 
Um, Foster comes out brilliantly, uh, and Wolf does collide with him. Just before he collides with him, though, and, and for, let's get bear in mind Foster gets there first, so there's not a problem with that challenge. Dawson shoves him in the back, knocks him, shoves him over, basically. Um, and then Punch's shot is deflected wide shortly afterwards. Not really much of a, a complaint from Zaha about it, it needing a penalty, but I've seen him given, and, and I honestly thought it was a penalty shout, and I know you wanted to mention the same thing. Yeah, actually, what surprised me on all the message, I haven't seen it mentioned anywhere, okay, in, on the message boards, they didn't pick it up on Match of the Day. Um, you say as a slight shove in the back, well, it was more blatant than that. It was a, it was a thud in his back, and down he went, and it, none of the players around on the pitch, uh, even in, in the stands where we were, okay, we couldn't see it because it's obviously at the far end of the ground. Um, it wasn't picked up, and I, I think it was bizarre that nobody's, nobody's gone with it. The first time I'd actually heard it mentioned to, to, yeah, all day today is when you and I were having a private chat earlier on. Very yeah. bizarre. It wasn't, I, I mean, again, I, I think at the time it was just kind of dismissed. It was just, I think the fact that Punchins had the ball and, and nearly got a shot on target is just deflected. Otherwise, I think that would have been a goal. I think that kind of took everyone's mind off what had just happened because is when when you run at pace like Wilf did when you run at people like uh, at pace it doesn't take much to knock a player over but like you say it was a pretty clear push and again ref was in a very good position for it, it just hasn't given it but you know obviously it did, didn't matter in the end but conceivably it, it, it could have done um so patrick what was your view on that yeah terence and i were talking about how uh you know wolf has this um so-called uh, diving reputation but on that play, I'll be honest with you, I think everything went so quickly, Chris. I think that's the reason why it wasn't called. I think that yeah. you make a good point. The fact that, um, you know, everything, you know, the keeper comes out quickly, the, the, the push is made, gets a shot off, the deflects out, and then Punch gets a shot off. I think if Punch isn't, isn't there, I think it might have called it back for a, a penalty. But once the shot goes wide, he's never going to blow the whistle and say, you know, advantage taken back, I'm going to call a penalty kick. So I think it was yeah. more speed of play as opposed to, you know. But I think I think any other time, it would have been a penalty. I think maybe because it's Wolf, you know, that reputation uh, that he has allegedly. But I think the speed of play might have been the reason why it wasn't called. Ed, anything else to add on that? Yeah, it was a fantastic run, wasn't it? He's picked it up inside our half and he's just completely turned their defender and they're petrified to touch him. I think the only thing that may perhaps goes against him is when he, he sort of pushes it to the right between the two of the defenders that are there. He pushes it, it's a little, his touch is a little bit heavy that lets him sort of run away from him a little bit. So he's already stretching for the ball to try and knock it past Foster as he's charging out to him. But there is a, it's not a shoulder to shoulder, it is a, you know, forearm in the bottom of his back that it is a, it is a foul. But I think we're a bit too nice sometimes. I think if that was, Anthony Martial or Sanchez that had made that run and that had happened to, you can guarantee that seven outfield players from Arsenal or Man United would have been around Mike Jones screaming for a penalty yeah, and they probably would have got it. If it was Ibrahimovic, he'd have been given six or seven penalties and then yeah. apologised to by the referee. <laughs> exactly. Probably, probably would have just ended the game there and given him the points. Yeah, absolutely right. All right, a couple more things to pick up on. We've, uh, we had the injury to Patrick Van Arnhout. Um it's been playing really, really well. I won't ask you all on this. So I'm just going to pick you, Patrick, I think. Um, you've been a left-back, haven't you? Have I, have I picked you for that reason? There's some reason is, I picked that is, you. That is correct. I have been. There you go. So, I mean, first of all, we've, because I can't remember who said this to me, or someone said this either on Twitter or 
you know, maybe it was even someone I was talking directly to. But they said the thing about um, uh, about uh, about Allard- the sort of the dealings we did in, in the transfer window was that Sam Allardyce can count left backs, and that's why we've signed Schlupp and Van Arnholt because people questioned why we signed the two, and that's the answer because we needed two. Uh, and this kind of emphasises that point because you know Van Arnholt has been injured. Apparently not as bad as first thought, but you know if it does keep him out for the Waterford game, it'll be a big miss because he's he's had a real impact, hasn't he, Patrick? He has, and uh, you know I fought him a little bit. He's not a great defensive left back in in the pure sense, but there aren't a lot of really good defensive left backs any, anywhere. But going forward, he's very good. He keeps his shape back there well. He links up well with Wilf on that side. Um, works, you know, plays well with, with Sacco and Tompkins and Ward. So I like him as a player. Uh, but again, your point's well taken, Chris. The fact that we have Schlupp as a backup is excellent because, again, you need to have two players at each position because if he wasn't him, we had, we're going to end up what going back to you know Kelly at left back or obviously Ward at left back and the whole thing we've been through years or maybe even Zeki Fryer's getting a run. So the fact that he, we have Schlupp does uh, limit it. But I think what I heard was he was back on the on the bench uh, before the game is over, I heard he was on crutches, but I heard he, he tweeted out yesterday, he's not, it's not as bad as, as we think it is. So yeah. with the two-week break, I think he'll be back in time for Watford, which would be a great relief for everybody, I think. Absolutely right. OK, so uh, moving on from that, a little bit of a, a, the only real negative thing from the game, really. Um, Luka Miljevojevic plays in uh, a wonderful ball to put Andros Townsend in. Um, just, a, again, it's good work from Benteke. Again, dropping deep, playing the link-up role excellently. Uh, ball gets knocked across to to Luca, who just slides a perfect pass in for Townsend. So the question, really, I'm going to start with 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 you, Ed. The question is: good save, bad finish, or should he have taken the option of squaring to Benteke? Uh, be offensive, a bit of both. I think I don't think you can overly criticise Townsend. Um, it's a brilliant run in the first place from him, from him that he's timed very well. Lovely ball from Luca. I was a bit, when I saw Luca there, I was thinking, shoot, because we seemed a bit timid to shoot, and especially in the first half. I didn't even see Townsend making the run, so it was a great little reverse pass from Luca just to open it up. But, yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously got Foster rushing out at him. I think he's done well, relatively well to get it one touch and shoot, and it is just a, I think it's a very good save as well from Foster. He's, he's come out quickly, made himself big, um, and got quite a strong hand on it, so... I don't think you can be overly critical of him. Uh, very good run, and the keeper's done well. Uh, I know you thought differently, Patrick, so I'll come to you last. What did you think, Nick? Um, I just thought, first of all, it was quite interesting to see where Luca's starting position was. He was quite high up top, whereas before, the whole game before that, he'd been shielding the defence. So to see him in that position is also encouraging for the future. It was a wonderful slide ball, uh, slide rule ball through to uh, Townsend. Um, I think the the little thing in there is that was Townsend's lack, slight lack of confidence at that point. Uh, it was a great ball. He took it well. Uh, shot. He should have scored. But that was Townsend's slight lack of confidence. I think that's why he didn't finish it. So if you see, see the relief in the goal that he did score, um, I, I think that probably backs that up a little bit. Um, um, Patrick, you were a bit critical in the, in the chat we were having during the game. Uh, you I mean, thought he's, he's got to score in that position. Yeah, at the time, I was very critical because I was, you know, emotional at the time. Looking back on it, um, I'm not as critical. Um, the one thing about Townsend, he always looks to shoot. I mean, that's who he is. I mean, so I'd like to see him slide the ball into Ben Teke, but that's asking a lot. When you're in that position, you're going to shoot the ball. Uh, Foster made a good save. So in in uh, hindsight, 
there you go. That's the way. In hindsight, I'm not as critical as I was yesterday. I think it was a, it was a, it was a, it would have been a great goal had he scored. But you know, the fact that he didn't score is not as big a deal as I said at the time. So stop talking about doing a chat. That's private, by the way. <laughs> oh yeah, when I was when I was stood there in the, at the Hawthorns, so I was screaming at him. Of course, <laughs> telling me how to score that. Thank you, Ed. Exactly. That's a normal reaction, isn't it? I mean, come on. And, uh, that's normal. Re- repeat what I called him, but. <laughs> Well, having, obviously, having watched it back on the highlights, I think in uh, in sort of real time, full speed, right. he hasn't got he hasn't got a great time from when he yeah. takes that first touch to get it under control to either get the shot off or get his eyes up and see that Benteke is potentially there. It's a very much a touch and a snapshot, and he just tries to get it underneath Foster and he gets an arm out to it. So, obviously, he didn't have long to wait for redemption, and we'll be talking about that that final goal, that fantastic run. After your full word reviews. Ian Waghorn, we're having your house. Andy, huge sigh of relief. Alex Graham, Luca and Sacco class. Stephen, new manager bounce arrived. Julie Vendition. <laughs> I said it like that. Teamwork, team spirit. Jockey, Sacco Quality List Team. Dan Simmons back in the game. Sandy, same next match, please. Laura Guest, the passion is back. Hazel Nut, two games not conceded. <laughs> Hazel Nut. <laughs> Quentin Soldan, damn the fortnight break. Colin, boing boing, 2 0. CPFC podcast, take that Tony Pulis. Darius, let's get them. We are staying up. Let's talk about the next generation of fantasy football at FanDuel. You select a team of Premier League players for a single day's fixtures. That means you're not locked in for the whole season. You can play, watch and win in one day. When your players nail it on the pitch, you rack up points and jump up the real money leaderboard. FanDuel's scoring system uses Opta stats to reflect every player's true on-field contribution. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. 
at participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, outscore your opponents and win cash for your football expertise every Premier League match day with FanDuel. And just for Homestale radio listeners, we've got an extra special offer right now. When you sign up, use the promo code PALACE. That means if you don't make money in your first contest, FanDuel will refund your entry fee up to £10. So go to fanduel.co.uk and use the promo code PALACE to grab the offer now. What are you waiting for? Terms apply. Over 18s only. Please play responsibly. Just to draw attention to it, uh, Mikey had a bit of fun with the names of the people doing the four word reviews. Uh, I pronounced one like Julie Villitian or something like that. It was actually supposed to be pronounced Julie Veliton. Julie Veliton, because it's a joke name and it's hilarious. Uh, Hazelnut was obviously noticed in there. But the, the final one from Nick was supposed to be Darius Lesgetum. Which is like Darius, there he is, let's get him, get them. I, don't, I honestly I don't know what's wrong with him. I really don't. But... <laughs> he's, he's got too much time on his hands. Yeah, it's he not is. like we don't get thousands of forward reviews from real people. <laughs> he has to do this every week. Honestly, such a child. Uh, oh, come on. <laughs> We can't, unfortunately. He gets he gets the final decision on any decision that we make of the show. I'm, I'm sacked. So just to be honest, actually, if you gave him the chance, he probably would sack himself. But uh, I'm not going to let him do it. So uh, yeah, um, let's let's talk about the, uh, the the second goal before we wrap it up and start getting into some performance chat and uh, and ending this thing before it goes on too long. Um, so the second goal is 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 brilliant from Townsend. Of course, they brought on uh, Jonathan Lecco, who's a, a seventeen year old, um, very very highly rated player for for West Brom. Come from their sort of, um, I think he's from their youth system. Uh, certainly has been for the last couple of years or so. Um, and he's he sort of drilled in across which Sacco, you know, the brick wall was cleared. It's ended it ended back with him. And Townsend put in put he's put in a fantastic block tackle. Now bearing in mind Townsend has put in a huge shift already. He's already sort of almost dead on his feet. He block tackles and you can see as he steps away from Leco's uh, initial challenge before Leco starts chasing him, you can see him look straight up and he's sort of looking around the pitch trying to see if there's any options and there's nothing. There's nothing for him. So he thinks, oh, I've just got to run it, really, just try and take use up a bit of time. Because uh, Leco chases him, it just kind of spurs him on that little bit extra. Great strength to hold him off because Leco starts pulling at his shirt. So in, in return, he grabs his shirt and kind of just gets into that little battle before Leco falls over. Then all of a sudden, he's got he's got McCauley in front of him, who's 
oldest outfield player in the Premier League. Um, he's fine when he's protected in a, in a flat back four, but when he's isolated one-on-one with someone, even someone as knackered as Townsend was, uh, Townsend's got to fancy his chances. There was some great movement by Benteke in the middle, who obviously wanted the pass, but once Townsend was driven into the box and, and McCauley keeps backing away, you cannot blame him for just for taking the shot. But the manner he did it, the couple of little step-overs, knocked it to one side and then just drilled it with power. Okay, gets a deflection, but fitting reward. And it's an absolutely fantastic goal. And I cannot believe the lack of recognition that that's got. Oh, there's nothing on goals on Sunday, really. Nothing on match of the day. Nothing in the press is, is talking about what a goal that was. That's that's length of the pitch. That's edge of his own penalty area. He has run the length of the pitch. He's effectively beaten a whole team and scored a goal on his own. Uh, I don't know who said it. Someone was talking about... Uh, yeah, that was Allardyce talking about Ryan Giggs's goal in the FA Cup. An iconic goal against Arsenal for, uh, yep. for Man United. Where he's run down the wing, done exactly that, and drilled it in and gone running off in celebration, waving his shirt and he said, Where's the recognition from Townsend, Patrick? Chris, I have no idea, but you're right. It was a fantastic goal. Going back a bit, um, you know, the block tackle's brilliant. You know, that's not his strongest suit playing, you know, defending. Uh, but I think one of the key issues is that the halfway line, uh, Lecco, which he should never do, he's a young kid, he's 17, he tries to slide tackle um, Townsend, take himself right out of, out of it. So once he's out of it, he picks up his head, he's only got to beat McCauley one-on-one. So I think that was a huge play. What I also like to see, I like to see that Wolf busted his gut from our half to get into the box too, creating another player. So they had to think about, is he going to square the ball? Obviously, like I said before, Tandon loves his shot, so he's never going to cross that ball. But to make that run, we're talking about 70 yards. Do the doubles, triple step overs, and then blast with the left foot and score. It's a brilliant goal, and you're right. It deserves a lot more recognition that it got. If that was Eden Hazard, um, uh, I can't even. I could, uh, uh, Sergio Aguero or anybody on another on another team. You know, uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic does that. It's all over the press the next day, and they'll stop talking about it. I think Aldaris's um, uh, example of the uh, Giggs goal is perfect. It's a similar type of goal. You know, both left footed, same side of the field, etc. And it's, it, it's, it was a, it really didn't get uh, what it deserved, but it was a really brilliant goal at a very key time. It's a great goal. I'm not a big fan of Townsend still, but I'm giving a lot more credit now. He's playing so much better under Allardyce of late, and uh, fair play to him, man. It was a really great shift he put in yesterday and a great goal. Well, to take a sum from that, uh, Nick, it's the the effort that, that Townsend put in, was putting in is is you know it's undeniable. Again, I've I've slated him this season, as is most of our fan base, to be honest. And there's a right. few people saying, "Oh, you shouldn't have slagged him up." It's like absolutely we should. <laughs> yeah, okay. He, yeah. He's, he said the same thing himself on Twitter, hasn't he? He's, <laughs> exactly. He said, it's just six months since my last goal. And I, you know, I was having a bit of fun with some stats earlier on, right? Because I was looking at Sacco and I was thinking, yeah, 180 minutes, we've not conceded a goal. Um, you know, you could. And then I thought to myself, but there's two games, and I thought you could actually have the stat that. We've never lost a match. That, in fact, we've won every match that Andrews Townsend has ever scored in for us, which I thought was a fun, a fun stat. So right. he, it, he, you know, he himself has said that he has not been up to it. He's not delivered what he should have delivered. But that, and over the last couple of games, again, the change of manager, manager has done a world of good. You know, he's got he's got this position on the right hand side. You know, again, I'm still even now, I'm still a little bit worried that it's negated Zaha. But the trouble, the thing is that Zaha is so good, and you've just seen. You know, in, in this game, that sticking him on the left, it doesn't really negate. It just means he plays a slightly different game. But if anything, is you know, as he gets used to it, it'll be even more dangerous cutting in on his right foot or going on his left. No one will know which way he's going to go. 
So in a way, it's probably worked out for the best that Townsend's got his spell on the right. But it's interesting that he goes and scores this goal on the left-hand side, where he's kind of looked dejected for most of the season. Exactly. Uh, I've talked a lot. I've talked a lot there, Nick. What was your opinion on what I just said? God, that, you asked me a question about ten minutes ago. I have no, no idea. My thoughts on that goal. Um, he's gone for. A, I know it was Saturday, but he's gone for a Sunday afternoon stroll down the wing. He's got shrugged off by Lecco, uh, and he thought, and then he actually—if you look at it again—he actually slowed down to think, right, what do I do with it now? Um, I know I'm going to keep going because there's nobody coming up beside me. So he just kept going. He just kept going. It was a one. Had, you're quite right what you said earlier. Had it been Ronaldo or anybody else, uh, you know, it'd have been all over the press. But it's because it's sodding Crystal Palace. That's why. And you know, we've got a bad reputation for everything else. They were two quality class goals probably as good as anything you saw in the premier league yesterday definitely and ed you had just finished calling him bad names how was the celebration of that goal oh it's well received because it was getting into sort of the nervous uh sort of last five ten minutes but there was a yeah a few things that were impressive about that goal it hasn't got the recognition it deserves like you said i mean I think if unless they were con- contractually obliged i don't think match that they would even show the palace highlights but um, <laughs> Is it, yeah, it's a he's back helping out the defence. It's a great little pinches it off Lecco. Um, I know. I mean, I looked at Townsend about seventy minutes in, and I was thinking we need to think about changing him. He looks gassed because he yeah, put yeah. in a fair old shift. Yeah. He just seemed yeah. to get like a second wind from somewhere yesterday, and then that Lecco's seventeen years old and came off the bench five ten minutes before that. Yep. <laughs> and Townsend has just put in an eighty four minutes running his nuts off, and he's outrun him outmuscled him if I'm a West Brom fan there I'm just wanting Lecco just to take a yellow card if he can't stay with him just kick him yeah good yeah. point if it's the yeah. other way around I've been booked so many times on a Sunday for doing exactly that <laughs> 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 and I would be very upset with him if I was a West Ham uh, West Brom fan and he hasn't done that there but yeah once he's away from him Benteke yeah it's a lovely run takes um I think it's Johnny Evans with his bandage on his head isn't it over yeah. out wide and once he's got McCauley, like you said, one-on-one on the edge of his box, flat-footed. He's going to go past him every day. Um, and a great finish like, with a bit of deflection. I'm not sure about if that was Hennessy and Guy, whether we'd be a bit critical that he's uh, been done at his near post. He seemed to... There's a good yard between him and his near post that he's snuck in at. But, yeah, not taking anything away from Townsend. I'm just glad it went in because I think Benteke would have... Uh, had absolute kittens after last week. <laughs> yeah, I think um, it had probably run over and two-fitted him in the chest. And yeah, like that. it was. It was all you could see him. He started to look a little bit angry when you watch the highlights, <laughs> and then it hits the back of the net, and he thinks, "Okay, I can't really, can't really dig him out for that." He scored. Uh, so. By the way, he's about the eighth person to run over and celebrate yeah. with him. <laughs> very slowly, sort of walks yeah. over and thinks, "Yeah, right." He's like, through gritted teeth, he's like, "Great, yeah. great goal, mate." <laughs> yeah, well done. Glad really, ha- really happy for you. <laughs> oh, yeah dear. great goal um, so that's a fantastic way to to end the game to win it and um nick you want to mention a little bit about the uh, away support okay I, I haven't been to that many away games this year okay i've been to arsenal and everything else uh, i think it's worth a note of pointing out just how good they were they were vocal to the point where we're having your house okay came a point during the game where clearly the West Brom fans were getting a little bit subdued. We're all over them, okay? The ground is quiet. And the 3,000 travelling away support yesterday was just outstanding. Uh, And if that was what they are like on a lot of the games, a lot of the away games, 
I'm going to join them more regularly because it was it was as good a, an experience as I've had in a long time. Brilliant away support. Well done, Palace fans. I'll tell you what, mate, it's adversity. That's what we need. That's what we've needed for the last two years, proper adversity, and we all come together again. You know, that's, yep. what, I, that's what I love to hear. Uh, Patrick, you just want to round off something up? Uh, one last comment on, on something? Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you guys feel, but um, obviously under Pardew, I never felt comfortable being up 1-0 because you know he'd be going for another second goal and we get put, put and pinned back. But I have to admit, the last two matches especially, Watford a bit, but definitely the last two matches, I feel a lot more comfortable being up 1-0 late in a match than I ever had before. Cause I just feel like he knows what to do to get it done. Like he always talks about, you know, value the point or value the points and can have him as manager. Don't be a big fan of the man, but you understand he does understand football. And at one nil, he's you know brings on Scott Dan, you know, to make a back three slash back five. So I really like the fact that we have him there in those late matches because I feel more comfortable with him as a manager than anybody else right now. That's yeah. a great point. A really good point, Patrick. Because how many times under Pardew did we start Too saying... Many. <laughs> Too many. But that's yeah, the answer to every question that starts <laughs> on that about Pardew. I still feel a bit bad for him. But no, seriously, how many times have we looked at games we just thought, come on, we should have shut up shop or that yeah. substitution was 10 minutes too late. Yeah. You know, straight away, Allardyce knows exactly what he's got on the bench. He's got Scott down on the bench. You know, he, you know, we'll talk about that in a sec. And he knows exactly what to do. Takes off a midfield player, puts on a defender, shifts yeah. the system, and, and yeah. West Brom couldn't break us down. And they were they were never going to. They were just simply yeah. never going to. Uh, Ed, you, you want to last little bit on that, do you? Yeah, that's spot on. I was having the exact uh, conversation with my dad today, who uh, to ring him because it's his birthday, fifty year, uh, fifty years of Palace fan. Um, birthday. So happy birthday yeah. to the old man. But yeah, I was on the phone to him earlier. Uh, once we got the happy birthday stuff out of the way, just talking about the West Brom game, and we said that exact thing that Patrick just said. That I just said to him, it was nice just seeing Scott Dan coming on to shore things up and see the game out because you know if that was. Pardew, we'd have been bringing Fraser Campbell on to go two up front exactly, uh, yeah. and try, try and win it to a 3-0 and we'd have exactly. lost 2-1. <laughs> so, great stuff. It was just a very nice... Uh, it's funny because it's true. Thing to see. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's happened before this. Is. Yeah. Um, okay, let's let's leave the game behind there. We're going to have to rattle through the last few points that we've uh, we've got to talk about today. Um, Sacco, got to talk about Sacco. Fantastic defence uh, once again. Tompkins clearly loves playing alongside him. Some key interventions, even tackles the ref. Absolutely superb. So, a word from each, from all of you, on the difference that he's made. And I'll start with you, Patrick. He's brilliant. I love the way he plays with Tompkins. Um, uh, you mentioned before, Chris Acosta came in early in the first half that he that he cleared. Uh, I love Dan and Delaney. There's no way they're heading that ball out for that corner kick. That you know, the guy was sticking back post and score. Um, Plays out at the back. I love the way he plays that ball out at the back. He'll he'll look for players to play to their feet into space. There was one play yesterday when uh, he kicked the ball and it, I guess it went out. It went, it went out for a, a goal of throwing. But he was telling the player, you know, with his hands, uh, you know, make a, make a run like that. Come this way instead of going that way. He was gesticulating, just telling the player what to do. He's a leader. He's a natural ball leader. If we could sign him, Chris, we have to sign that this player because he's been absolutely superb for us. I mean, I've, I've complained in the past about how bad some of our low moves have been. You know, Remy, Bamford, etc. Uh, you know, I, I can point out one or two have been really good. Obviously, Punch and being the, probably the best one, Zaha, when he was on loan. But, I mean, since maybe Paul Stewart, we haven't had a better loan since this. He's been absolutely superb. The perfect player for us at the perfect time. You know, two matches, two clean sheets. Um, he's been brilliant. And I just, I just, I'm so happy he's back there. Can you give me a bunch of confidence when he's back there? 
Uh, on that note, we got an email in from Mark Chesney, who just you know just on the subject says, uh, "Do you think you've got any chance of getting in permanently if we stay up? You were shocked as me that a player who hasn't played since April has fitted in like he's been here for years. All the Liverpool fans I know up here, cause he's based in in Merseyside, told him that he'd uh, keep us up, but you but he wasn't convinced at all. Uh, but they're they're absolutely baffled. He's still not playing for Liverpool." I'm absolutely baffled he's still not playing for Liverpool. Obviously, it's a fallout with the manager, otherwise he would be. They had Lucas Slaver in <laughs> a centre-back yeah, against yeah. Leicester uh, and were rightly punished for that. Uh, the guy, again, I suppose I would say I'm guilty of not really paying too much attention to the big teams sometimes and not really appreciating the players that they are because I've looked at Sacco when he's been in highlights on games and generally speaking, you either see brilliant things or you see absolutely horrific errors uh, when you're, when you're looking at match highlights. And, and, I, and, and I, in my head, he was that he was a, uh, he was brilliant one minute, horrific the next. Um, and I couldn't, you know, and I, but his pedigree, you know, the, the fact he was a captain as a I think he was a teenager when he captained PSG, um, you know, and, and, and just seeing how he's, he's come in and played for palace. It's, as the other players have pointed out, it's not just the fact that he's a brick wall. It's that he's just calm. Yeah. There's just no panic. There's He knows what he's there to do. You know, you can see the, the fear and the anxiety in our defence before he was in it. You know, and we weren't, as I said the other week, we weren't, we weren't doing those things of getting that toe in at the last second to knock the ball away or throwing ourselves in front of a shot or dive headering the ball away from someone's foot. You know, those sorts of things where... You've seen the danger and you know exactly what your role is to stop it. But for Sacco, it's easy, you know. And that's the only thing for him, I think, you know, in his career is because it's easy, because he has that much ability and that much talent, you know, is, is he able to, to keep focused when it's when it's that easy for him? But he's got a point to prove. and We are the beneficiaries of that right now. And you know what? If he's, he's if he's happy with you know, a, he mentioned there's a lot of French speakers at the club, which he clearly likes and feels settled. We were prepared to to buy him permanently in the summer. It wasn't it wasn't originally a loan that we were talking about. It just ended up that way um, because the deal was a difficult one to do. So I'm sure in the summer we would absolutely love to do that deal if we, if we stay up. And if we do stay up, it'll be because of him, I think, in a, in a large way. But. You know, if he plays like he's playing, then there'll be plenty of other teams who'll want him as well. That's that's the only thing I would say on that. Uh, your, your view, Ed? Yeah, he's just, I would love to get hold of him in the summer. He's absolutely class, isn't he? There was a couple yesterday that, if that's not him defending it there, they probably score. The one at the back post with Rondon is it's a great cross, I think, from Nyon, was it? The left back? Yeah. Um, he's whipped it sort of right, right round the back of our defence. And uh, Rondon's sort of just on the half volley, going to side that foot that in the net, and Sacco's in a dangerous position where he's in danger of you could easily put that in your own net if you don't get anything on it. Then Rondon's going to score. He just sort of lovely little glancing header out for a out for a corner, and there was another one near post where he's just dived and sort of put his head in the sort of danger area as Rondon's trying to get his boot on it and got it away, but. And it's just so calm on the ball. Sometimes a little unnervingly calm for spectators. Yeah. But, but yeah. yeah, he's just coolness personified sometimes at the back when he's got it at his feet and just gets his head up and starts an attack from there. So I think getting hold of him in the summer, like you said, um, I think we were looking to do it on a permanent. So I don't think money's the issue. Now the sort of money we've 
got going around the Premier League. I don't think money will be the issue. It'll be whether he, you know, hopefully he would prefer living in London to Liverpool uh, and whether we keep hold of sort of the Kabai, Mandanda, the other French players. I think it'll be quite important if they're still at the club yeah. uh, come next season. If we stay up, then, you know, it's an added incentive. If you look at his social media, it's always, you know, selfies and stuff in the changing room with uh, the other French players and stuff like that. He seems to like Luca as well, so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, Nick, uh, any views to add on that before we move on? Well, right at the very beginning of this segment, you asked for uh, one word on uh, Mamadou Sakho, and I'll give you the one word. Rock. There you go. Finished. Right, sweet. Uh, Punch as captain, 100% record. It's a little bit another one of the other stats I was playing with because it's two games. You could, oh, yeah. But... Um, you know, there's a suggestion, shall we say, going around that um, Allardyce doesn't particularly fancy Scott Dan as as a, as a captain, and you know, and he's and he's not in the team right now, uh, despite being fully fit. Um, which there you go, that's that's another brave brave move. <laughs> so, what do we think about Punch the Skipper again? You know, I, I suppose from my perspective. It was very similar to last week. It wasn't the best game I've seen Jason Punch have, but yeah. he seemed to have a really good influence uh, once more. There was the huddle before before the game started, you know, and, and he's now been skipper for back-to-back wins. We haven't conceded a goal, and he's played his part. He's moved moved around well, got involved in the in the game. Some people say he slows it down too much still, which again I can see. Others think that he's a he's a good calm head in the middle there. Um, Nick, since you didn't say too much about Sacco, let's have your views on that before we move uh, on. I, I will do, and, and you've already uh, touched on the huddle a bit. I quite like all that because it gets the it gets the fans up, it gets the players lifted. I think it motivates the players. Punchin was yesterday. He was very vocal. He was pointing, shouting, screaming. He was stepping up to the leader role. Okay, and I think he, you know. It, I don't know whether it's affected his game in any way because I don't think he's got any better or any worse. Um, you're right that uh, the manager doesn't seem to like Scott Dan, but as far as Punch is concerned, you know you can't argue, and we're going to come on to another point in a minute. You can't argue a hundred percent success rate, which is what he's got. Good luck to him. Keep going, Patrick. How good is Punching? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, so, see, there, there are certain things that um, you don't see, and. Um, Punching as a captain, you don't see what he does. You know, Nick just made a great point about you know the huddles and all that stuff. And he's a he's a natural leader. And I think I, I love Scott Dan as a player. I think the pressure of being captain really really hurts Scott Dan. I think Dan actually would be brilliant playing with Sacco. By the way, if, if that ever happens in the future, I think they're both excellent players. They'd be great together. But I think Punch as captain, you know, forget the record that you know the two wins. I mean, honestly, you know, we played better, which is you know, but the, just the fact that he is. His his role, he just to me. If you watch him on the training, I watch a lot of training videos. He's always one of the guys laughing and joking, but he's also one of the ones, you know, encouraging players what to do on the pitch in general. He's always a talker. He's always been a talker, and I think he's a natural leader. And I, I, I honestly wouldn't have thought that he would have been the best captain for Palace right now. I can't think of another player on that team that's better to captain the team right now than, than Jason Punchin is. There you go, Ed. Anything to say on that? Uh, yeah, I like him as captain. And when he when I saw it. Last week, I was a bit like, it's not someone that I would have said, if you said to me, name yep. you know, top three people you think would be good captains for the club. It probably wouldn't have been on that list. But then we're not involved in and around the club in training every day. You don't know in terms of the sort of dynamics in the change room who the big characters are if you're not involved with it. So Allardyce has made a call and it's working. I like it. I like 
I think the Huddley did um, before kickoff. They had another one when they come out second half, and you could I was sort of watch, trying to watch quite closely. You could see him, you know, really sort of trying to g him up. Um, and yeah, I think it's brought us. I think he's playing a little bit better. I think he's been the last couple of weeks has been better than he has been previously. Um, it's interesting you said it, Chris, in your little summary. So I've got it in my notes there. I still think he sometimes. Does, when he's higher up the pitch, does slow the ball down a bit too much for us. Um, but he was—I criticised him a little bit last week for losing possession of the ball in the middle of the pitch, um, which can hurt us. And he was much better. He sort of dithered on it less yesterday, um, and didn't sort of get robbed of possession, possession as he as he did a few times against Borough. So I was yeah. pleased with that. But yeah, I like him as captain. Yeah, it's interesting, like, you know, the whole slowing it down thing, you know, he was very guilty of that on the wing, which used to annoy the hell out of me, you know, I don't have too much of a problem with it in the midfield, but it does occasionally stop us breaking, you know, that's that's one thing I would say about it, um, but, you know, having said that, a quick break isn't always always the right thing to do, I guess. Sorry, Ed, do you want to speak again? Hmm, obviously not. He's gone quiet. It says me in the chat, and then he's gone quiet. Sorry, I'm here. Uh, <laughs> trying to multitask this tired isn't isn't working. Um, <laughs> yeah, just one more thing uh, on punch. I was just gonna say I really liked yesterday at the end of the game. He was very insistent. Everyone over to the away fans to yeah sort of thank them for their support. Even like the the guys that have come off early and stuff like that that were obviously over right by the dugouts by the tunnel. You could see him really shouting across the pitch at them, waving them, telling them, come over, come over to the away fans. Because I think he recognises with the, the fight we've got on between now and May, having the support behind you, like it has been the last two weeks, versus how it was with Sunderland. He, you know, he recognises that getting the fans sort of on side again and everyone pulling in the same direction is going to be very important. Yeah, and that, and that itself shows you that he has the, the intelligence to be a captain, you know, in, in mm. doing stuff like that. It might seem such a little thing. Yeah, it makes a big, big, big Yeah, it really is. And, you know, everyone who went will just, you know, just like Ed's just said, everyone who went will, will remember that and say, you know, just like they remember if, if a player goes straight down the tunnel without acknowledging them. They, they don't they don't forgive easy with people doing stuff like that, so... <laughs> There you go. Okay, moving moving very quickly on from that, uh, it's time for us to have a, a quick argument, Nick, because <laughs> we uh, we haven't got much time left, and then we'll talk about man of the match and honourable performances and stuff like that. Uh, but we, I wanted to, you know, we can't have a completely happy, hundred percent positive show, can we? So uh, I picked out a, a couple of negatives, but you feel uh, you feel that the players in question uh, actually had good games or solid games, as you described. So let's start with our player number one, Joel Ward. You described Joel Ward as playing, having a, a solid game. And I'm not the only one. If you look at, if you look at all the... Uh, I was looking at some of the uh, match stats from after the game, and he was in the same vein, and I'm going to quote you now. Uh, the one I'm looking at, he, he, was, he was graded as seven, along with our goalkeeper, along with Tompkins, along with Kabai, and along with uh, Punchin. So now, what I don't profess for one minute is that all of a sudden, our right back, uh, Mr. Ward, has turned into Danny Alves or Nathaniel Klein. What I actually, what I am saying is, and I actually use the word uplift in performance okay uplift in performance that's the key phrase yeah. there right. i didn't say i didn't say he's gone he's turned fantastic what i'm saying is uplifting performance and you said it earlier on you used the word uh, boosted in confidence it's because yeah. of 
Luca. It's because of Sacco at the back. They're all doing their basic job better than they were. They're, so, therefore, there was an uplift in performance. I didn't say he's turned into a world beater. <laughs> uplift, okay? Yeah, okay, you know, right? So, you know what? I'll concede that. I, you know, credit where it's due. Joel Ward, defensively in particular, was, was, was much better than he has been of late. Um, but for me, too often he was a, he was a weak leak in possession, and essentially it was like his feet are dodecahedrons. Um, Don't you know. swear at me! Don't you swear <laughs> at me! <laughs> dodecahedron, I love that. He's got dodecahedron feet. That's the best way because you know, I, you know, people like um, like Anthony Gardner used to. I used to say he's got fifty p head, whereas Joel, Joel Ward has dodecahedron feet. Where. You just genuinely have no idea which direction the ball is going to go when he play when he hits it. Uh, that's me being a little bit flippant. Um, I just feel that listen, he's he, we're, we're in the Premier League, okay? He, his distribution needs to be better and needs to be a lot better than it was in the first half. A few players were guilty, you know. Luca overhit about six or seven passes, yep. you know, really, you know, smashed it out of play a lot, just trying to find his range. But but Ward was consistently poor in possession, um, and that again, that's something where. Oh, if he if he was just bad, I, I would have less of a problem than the fact that I know he could do better, uh, and that that's why I feel I feel justified in being critical of him. Hammer, so, overall, our um, passing success rate was seventy one percent. You know what Joe Ward's was? Fifty one percent. Oh, right you're, spo- you're supposed Ooh. to be on the side of the old man here, okay? No, I'm, I'm I'm just a, I'm a stat person. <laughs> Luca, sixty three percent. Punting seventy nine percent and Kabai eighty eight percent, so he was by yeah. far the worst passer. And you can't have that as a right back; you just can't. So no, just, and the thing is, it's a good stat. The thing is, he's very involved. That's the other thing about Joe, and that's yes. again, that's credit to him because he keeps going, doesn't let it get to he him. He does. He does. But, but when you're that involved in the game, particularly backing up the winger, and again, it's, it's Andros on his side who's you know had to do an awful lot of work there because again, Joe was giving the ball away way too much, and um. I just look. I really, you know, I don't have a, a personal issue with Joe Ward. I don't. It's it's just a, it's an observation. The stats back it up, and I think everyone who, who watched the game yesterday, if they're completely honest, would say that distribution-wise, it just wasn't good enough, and it's a shame. Uh, but he contributed to to a to a great defensive performance, and he takes all the credit as as being one of the team who gave his all. You know, there's no question he didn't give everything that he had out on the pitch. So. I just hope that with with the continued upturn in performance and and the improvement of the players around him, I hope that the confidence in his ability to pass comes back because he can play. You know, he's he, he's capable. He used to play midfield for us. He was very good there. You know. So just, a, so just to wrap that last bit off, listen to what you just said. There was an uplift in his performance yesterday. Yeah. Sharp. Okay. Wayne Hennessy. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Okay. Yeah. So what? So Wayne Hennessy um, didn't have an awful, didn't have an awful lot to do. So again, you you, you were quite uh, co- well. Again, describe his performance for us, Nick. What did you think? Okay. I think Wayne got on. Uh, Wayne yesterday f- came out and flapped for one. So um, I concede that point. Okay, but apart from that, everything else he had to do yesterday, he did correctly. You cannot argue with the stats as we're talking about stats, Patrick. Okay, Patrick, keep your keep your powder dry. Okay, <laughs> here we go. Um, he's two out of two 
clean sheets. The first time that we've had back-to-back clean sheets since the 28th of November 2015. OK, you could argue that he's responsible for the other ones that aren't clean sheets. I get that. OK, but only on recent uplift in performance. That's where we're at. Uplift in performance. He's got two clean sheets back-to-back. Over to you guys. He has or the team has. Um, Nick. He had, you know how many saves they made yesterday? He made one save. One. And that was the cameras. Exactly. <laughs> Against Burrow, he made four saves. Listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to slate him. It's not worth it. But the clean sheets have been much more down to Ward, Tompkins, Sacco, Van Anhol, and Milivojevic instead of goalie. I'm sorry. If I could pick out one save he made in the last two games, I would say it. But he had to make so. Say what you want. He's been in between the sticks. I'll give him credit for that. But it's been much more down to the back four and especially. Milivojevic, who sits in front of the back four, cleans up, makes great passes, uh, intercepts plays, and just made us much more secure. I can't give him credit for the clean sheets. I just can't. I don't care if he was in the goal. I just can't. I mean, he was in there. <laughs> he made he made one save yesterday. You've got to be joking, seriously. One save. Okay. I will concede, however, and your, your points are absolutely spot on, that the uplift in the performance on the back four is, is down to Luca's performance and Sacco's performance, which is spreading to Ward, which is also spreading to Patrick Van Aanholt. And indeed, Schluck, when he came on, Schluck was only rated at a six yesterday. Well, if he was rated at six, and I thought he played well, and Ward was rated seven, something's not right with the ratings. Um, So I think what we have to do here is concede that that was an all-round good defensive performance. I think that's very fair. I think you've got to give the last two clean sheets more to the team. And there's nothing wrong with that, because sometimes it comes down to a team effort, not just a goalkeeper. So that's fair. Right, so... I'll tell you for me, it wasn't the flap that was the problem, right? Because he's actually got there and he's knocked the ball away. It wasn't, it wasn't tidy, right? And he's caught a lot, actually. That's the one thing. He didn't make too many saves, but he came and caught a fair few things. You know, the, the ones, the ones, yeah, more than usual. And the one save he did make, okay, again, he had to, he had to grab it twice, but he still has made the save. You know, I, I don't have confidence in him. I admit that, but you know what? He's, he's caught a lot. And, um, but it was the panic after the flap that still scares the hell out of me. Yeah. He just came wandering out and he just didn't know what to do. So anyway, we've all had our say. Ed, um, let, let, what do you think about Wayne? And then uh, can you also give us your opinion on Wardy as well? Uh, yeah, Wayne, I know we've had two clean sheets, like Nick keeps saying, but it's the team had, has had two clean sheets. He's a very little to do, hasn't he? Like, I think it was it four saves, someone said against Borough, and then the one yesterday. And that, I mean, even, even, even that one, he went down in installments for it. <laughs> brilliant, Ed, brilliant, brilliant, fantastic, mate. And the one, the, and then the cross that he came, I mean, he's got enough on it. The one that he sort of flapped at and fingertipped away, he got enough on it to get away, but he's. He's, just, he's not even judged it that he, he's not going to be able to reach that he would just like to if he came out knowing he can't reach it to catch it and confidently flicked it away palmed it away or punched it away he'd be a little bit more reassured but the fact he's trying to he could have easily half caught that and dropped it where he landed effectively and they would have had to be tapping in an empty net but yeah he's, I think it's a bit early to say Hennessy is uh cured of all his issues and uh, we've now got a great goalie on our hands just because of a couple of clean sheets where we've limited the opposition to very little so um, and just jumping back to Ward um, I think with the improvements we've made to our sort of team in the first 11 now he is sort of he does I mean he's been great for us for a few years but he does sort of stand out as the weak link um, he's quite he's quite limited on the ball he's, you could see yesterday whether it's a 
a confidence thing or what. It's just not that comfortable on the ball, especially higher up the pitch. It's a bit of a hot potato when it comes to him. He quite quickly wants to get rid of it to one of the others and doesn't want to sort of do anything with it when he... I think there was a time he was out on the touchline with one guy in front of him. He hasn't really got, he's not got an electric five yards in him to beat the man in front of him. He hasn't really got a trick. So when he gets it higher up the pitch there, he doesn't really know sort of what to do with it. And I think I watched the highlights, the sort of slightly extended highlights back on Sky today. And I think one of his sort of aimless dodecahedron boots into the box. <laughs> the commentator described it. I think the commentary word for word was Ward. In, Ward puts it into the box. More out of hope than expectation, which I think <laughs> sums up his, uh, a lot of his deliveries into the into the box. But I think the, the the best Joel Ward we've seen at Palace was under Pulis when he was asked to just perform a very limited defensive role. Yeah. Yeah, his his primary thing was just defend. Don't worry about being a a Cafu or a Danny Alves going forward. Just defend, and that's what he did really well. And that's the best Joel Ward we saw at Palace was when Pulis was here, and that's all he was asked to do. It's funny you say he hasn't got a trick. I can remember. I can't. I'm struggling to remember the game it was, but he did a little bit. He had dancing feet on the edge of the box and just embarrassed someone. I remember calling him Wardinho for a couple of weeks because because he absolutely skinned someone. Were that, you I, Were you playing FIFA? <laughs> it's quite possible. <laughs> but I, I, I vividly remember calling him Wardinho. I might have to search that hashtag <laughs> and see if, see if I tweeted it. But it was. I think you know again. I just just to reiterate the point. It's for me. I if a player is limited, it's similar when you when you look at players like Delaney, who's still an absolute hero for me. Um, and you know when we had players like David Wright for a while, did, did a fantastic job for as a as a defensive midfielder for a number of games. When they're when you have limited players who give their all, it's fine. But when a player is not playing up to what to the level you, you're sure he's capable of, that's when you start getting a little bit uncomfortable now it's just where I am with Ward but it's possible that his level has dropped you know and it's possible that or it's possible that his confidence we'll, we'll just have to wait and see but you know I think you know certainly going into next year I think that that's a position that will be highlighted as one we're going to have to change get someone in who's assured on the ball and, and got a bit more pace about them and a bit, you know, a bit more a bit more drive because it's a very important position so guys just just to round off um, finish the show your man of the match, please. Oh, did you have a positive on Hennessy, Patrick? Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> it's, Can't no, wait for this. I, I, no, I'm being serious. Um, one thing I like about Allardyce, he, he identifies what players can and cannot do. Uh, everybody knows what Pardew always wanted Hennessy to do with the ball when he got at his feet. Play that wide, right, to a player. Yeah. What does he do now? He boots it down the field. Yeah. That's all he does. And, I'm, and, and to me, that works so much better for him because... When he would try to pass the ball out, it would always be, you know, something negative. The fact that he boosts the ball out down the field, I think, is a very, it's a, it's a good thing because I think he recognizes that's the best thing about Hennessy. He boosts the ball 60 yards down the field, and we can be grouped to either Benteke or whatever. So I, I like that that he's changed that one thing about Hennessy's distribution. What's that phrase? <laughs> I don't know. Let's Thanks not think about, that. Let's think about that too much. much. What, pa- what Patrick's saying is he likes it when the ball is as far away from Wayne Hennessy as possible. <laughs> that's what I mean. he just said thank you, Ed. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, so, Ed, who was your man of the match? Uh, between Sacco and Townsend, for me, I think Sacco, is that man of the match performance or is that just how good he is? I think that's just his level, isn't it? Which, yeah. I mean, it's harsh to not give him man of the match just because that's his consistent, that's what he's hopefully going to churn out for us each week. I was just, I think I'll go Townsend for yesterday. 
I think okay. given on how he has been previously, it's just the last few weeks under Allardyce has just been a mass- massive uplift. And yesterday and a lot of last week was that was the Andros Townsend that I thought we were buying when we brought him in the summer, and I was very pleased to see it. Absolutely right, Nick. Yeah, I can't argue with an awful lot Ed just said, really. Um, Sacco for his defensive performance, but I did say on the preview pod that I thought Townsend had his best game in the Palace shirt uh, last weekend. But now I think, yeah, I'm going to agree with Ed. It's going to be Andros Townsend. Well played, mate. Patrick? Originally, I was going to go with the defensive play. I thought Tomkins did really well yesterday. Obviously, Sacco was brilliant. I thought Wolf had a good game. But now that I think about it, we talk about the goal that he scored and can bring it to Giga's goal, and Giga's an all-time goal. As we go to Townsend, I think the shift he put in yesterday, obviously out on his feet, um, you know, that, on that in that run, and just the goal and the way it put away the game, I think I'd have to give it to uh, Andres Townsend. Great effort yesterday. There you go. Well, well done, guys. For what it's worth, my view is I really want to give it to Townsend, but Sacco was just too good. Um, <laughs> and Yeah, if that's his level I'm every week, there. then he's going to get man of the match from me every week. doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's fine, fine, I'll do all that. Um, anyway, so look, there you go. Hope you uh, hope you enjoyed the show. My thanks to Marky for producing, to Ed, Patrick, and Nick for being on the show with me. And uh, we'll be back. I guess preview show will be in about a week and a half, uh, and we'll be back in two Sundays' time to review uh, another victory against Watford. <laughs> thanks a lot. Cheers, guys. See ya. generation of fantasy football and fan- this podcast is proud to be part of the talk sport fan network talk sport powered by fans